You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. The car feature. In our car feature today, we're talking car and 4x4 braking systems. We're speaking to Clive Murphy from Power Brake, and we take your calls on 011-8830702, your SMS is 31702, your tweets at Relebukhile M, at Radio 702, using the hashtag 702 Afternoons, and the WhatsApp line 0727021702. You might have a question for our guest or a comment. Make sure that you engage with us. Clive Murphy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Lizzie. Great to be on the show. All right. What are brakes and how do they actually work? I mean, we all know that there's a pedal we put our foot on, but what's happening in the car? Well, in its most basic form, if you're listening back to horse-drawn carriages, there would literally be a lever which pushed a wooden block covered in leather against the wheel. This created friction, heat, and slowed it down. It's very similar in modern cars. It's slightly more modern, of course. If you can think about it, there's a small cylinder in front of the brake pedal, think of a big syringe, which is attached by hoses to smaller cylinders down at the wheel. And these push friction blocks, or what we call brake pads, on a disc that's rotating with the wheel, and that creates friction, heat, and and slows the car down. And I mean, I think you've explained it so beautifully, just comparing it to a horse-drawn carriage. So taking that specific example, how would you say the braking systems have evolved from that era of just a pad that's pushing against this wooden wheel to where we are today, where braking is not taking you, you know, a couple of meters to actually stop the vehicle? I think the big difference, of course, now is weight and speed, which are two of the things that are the biggest factors in how much heat is being generated. So obviously vehicles are traveling a lot faster. Um, We often tell a story to customers, which we hope they can relate to, where a typical vehicle that's generalized um, would go zero to 100 degrees accelerating, or sorry, 200 kilometers an hour in acceleration, um, in about 10 seconds as a general figure. And a modern brake system will stop that same vehicle in an emergency stop in about six seconds from 100 k's an hour back down to zero. So the heat that was generated to get your car up there is shared with your entire engine, the water cooling system and exhaust system, etc. The When you break down, the same heat is put into fairly small components, brake discs or drums, uh, in 40% less time. So we're dealing with a lot of heat, a lot of thermal shock, And from a modern brake system design, that is what we have to deal with. How much heat is being produced and design a system that can handle it. Yes, yes. So can we talk about the three different types of brakes that there are in a a standard vehicle? Well, essentially in modern vehicles, there's two general types, drum brakes and disc brakes. Uh, Most modern vehicles will have disc brakes at least at the front upmarket vehicles front and rear. It's essentially a similar concept. The drum brake, which is older technology, simply has a rotating drum, which rotates with the wheel, and there are friction blocks inside that get pressed against it. More modern systems are disc brakes, which have better cooling. And remember, heat is the enemy here. Yes. When it goes bad, it's about overheating. Uh, so, so now we're looking at, at disc brakes. There is a misconception in the market that I'd perhaps like to just touch on there. In, in modern vehicle marketing, there's a lot of talk about uh, ABS, for example, and these are electronic systems which assist 
when things go badly. I think a lot of people misunderstand it and believe if the vehicle is fitted with an ABS system, it stops better or in a shorter distance. Mm. In, in fact, the ABS only comes into play if you lock up with your wheels. You will always be braking best at the point just before wheel lock up. And, and these are sort of a safety net if you go beyond that. So ABS is in fact more about maintaining steering than shortening brake distance. Okay, so if I understand correctly, the the public perception is that ABS S, ABS sorry makes it stop quicker. Correct. And on wet surfaces, etc., if you do lock up a wheel, it may. But essentially, you want to try and maintain your braking at the point just before a wheel locks up. Yes, yes. Okay, so then maybe help me understand um, what then are the differences between service brakes, emergency brakes, and parking brakes? Okay, so a parking brake or a handbrake, as it's commonly referred to in South Africa, is just that. Um, Overseas, they call it an e-brake or emergency brake. But essentially, it has two functions. If your brake system had to fail in its entirety, you may try to use it, although gearing down and other things would be probably more important, but essentially it's to keep your car stationary while it is parked, whereas your main brake system, the discs and or drums, is to use while you're driving around. And there is this this trend that I've seen with some men in particular where they don't use the parking brake at all, they'd rather leave the vehicle in gear. What is the difference between those two options and i know like for myself i prefer leaving a vehicle in neutral and lifting the parking brake but i'll always be told you run the risk of your car still rolling sure so that's just a belt and braces approach the parking brake should no problem uh, keep your car where you left it Uh, leaving it in gear is is an additional belt and braces in case the parking brake were to fail or you went you didn't pull the, the park brake handle high enough Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so now, I mean, we've been speaking about a standard vehicle. What is different in a 4x4? I think the key difference with 4x4 around the world is weight affects how much heat is produced when you brake. And 4x4 enthusiasts are adding a lot of weight to their vehicles in building overland-type vehicles. Uh, They're also often fitting bigger wheel and tire packages and the bigger wheel and tire is more rotational weight, meaning your brakes now have to work harder just to slow that extra, extra uh, rotation from the wheel and tire. And it, it affects, negatively affects uh, braking distances. Uh, and a lot of people are modifying their vehicles and adding more horsepower, more power. And that affects speed. And it, speed, again, affects how much heat is produced. So it's a, a specific market where there is a need. Uh, for these various reasons, um, if we take into consideration every vehicle manufacturer will design a brake system that will do well um, under general driving conditions, and if people don't go over the maximum weight that the manufacturer intends to be loaded in the vehicle. In the 4x4 market, people often do go over that weight, um, and they are often towing boats, uh, caravan, heavy caravan and doing mountainous type areas. So you can see where the problem starts to develop. There's a lot of successive braking down mountain passes 
and there's a lot of wait happening. So often we get to an area where we need to upgrade things further outside of the mall. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, I mean, is it standard practice in the business when people do modify their vehicles in the different ways that you've described or have these, um, you know, exceptional circumstances that they are advised to adjust their brakes accordingly? And if so, what does adjusting your brakes accordingly mean? So I would say it's a practice. It is not controlled by law. So there's no law that says if your application is running higher brake temperatures, you must upgrade. Um, but it has become a norm worldwide. So there are many applications. Law enforcement vehicles, for example, which are doing massive amounts of consecutive brakes, which affect heat, things like the 4 by 4 community, et cetera, et cetera. So it's become popular. And essentially what you do to improve is you add more thermal capacity. So a brake system that is either happy to run at higher temperatures so that would be aftermarket discs and pads that are designed to operate at higher temperatures or larger brake systems, which are, have more thermal capacity and more efficient cooling systems. So basically, you're starting to go into race-derived brake technology, but all assembled with road legal components. Mm-hmm. All right, we are in conversation with the MD of Power Brake, talking braking systems for your vehicle and your 4x4 with the MD, Clive Murphy. We're taking your calls on 011-883-0702, your SMS is 31702, your tweets at Relebukhile M at Radio 702 using the hashtag 702 Afternoons and the WhatsApp line 072 Send through your comments and your questions. 702. The Car Feature. We're talking about the braking systems of your car and your 4x4. We're speaking to the MD of Power Brake, Clive Murphy. And we're taking your calls on 011-883-0702. Your SMS is 31702. Your tweets at Relib Gile M at Radio 702 using the hashtag 702 Afternoons. And the WhatsApp line 072-702-1702. Clive, we have a WhatsApp voice note. Hi. Doesn't parking your car in gear have some damage or fast track to damaging the gearbox? Whether you park it in park or you leave it in gear one, doesn't it put pressure on the gearbox? All right, Clive, I know that uh, your expertise uh, as a guest today are on the braking systems in particular, but I don't know if you are able to answer that question. Yeah, I'm not a gearbox expert, but I would assume that as long as the vehicle doesn't move, in other words, it isn't done. Uh, nobody drives into it. If the park brake is on and it is left in gear, I cannot see there being gearbox damage from that. Yes, yes. All right, thank you so much for that question. I'd like to find out just in terms of um, the common brake problems that one might experience. And at what point is it something to stress about? And at what point is it something that it's not a big deal? I can give an example. Um, um, my vehicle recently had a weird a bit of a squeak and then as I put my foot on the brakes it's got a very very slight delay I took it in but they said your your your, your brakes are fine they just have dust on them mm. so if we could take it back one step if, if you want to talk problems um, most of the problems are, are related to heat and possibly too much heat so driving style can obviously affect that and if you are, for example, thinking of an emergency services car versus 
somebody just commuting, taking kids to school, etc. Worn components will add to the heat because as they get worn and thinner, they can absorb and store less heat. And then when you get to the others, which really uh, level noise is a massive problem. In fact, break noise is one of the largest reasons for comebacks for automotive manufacturers or car mm. manufacturers. Essentially, you're rubbing brake pads against the disc at very high speed, and, and that creates a lot of noise, a lot of harmonics. So a lot of the challenge in the system is to have all this energy um, being transferred um, without noise. So a lot of design goes into that. Unfortunately, it is still a problem. Things like you mentioned, um, brake dust is created as your brake pads and discs wear, and if that builds up, it can affect things. Um, fitment issues can can be, you know, a cause of that. Driving style can be a cause. So, of course, like everything, it's, it's a real science. There are hundreds of different brake pad materials or compounds, we call them, and different ones suit different driving styles. If you overheat the brake pad, it can be damaged and, and cause noise, etc. So, it, it really comes down to keep your brakes within their wear specifications. If you're having your vehicle regularly serviced, of course, they should be checking that. Pick the right components for your application. So you may not be using a different brake pad compound to, say, a pursuit vehicle in the police or a very high-performance car um, or somebody who, for example, goes to track days. And the last common problem is vibration. So when you put your foot on the pedal, it's not smooth and you feel some vibration or feedback through the pedal. Um, if you are using quality components, that's most likely a fitment issue. Uh, the tolerances on runouts and so on are very tight and the guys really do need to take care in cleaning mounting surfaces and so on before fitting new brakes. Um, obviously, if you're using, using very low quality components, there could be distortions and so on. So I think the takeaway would be put the best components you can afford at the end of the day, your life and your family's life, uh, you know, depend on that. Yes, yes. All right, let's go to Anthony in Pretoria. Hi, Anthony. Uh, hello, Lebo. Um, I know that the uh, power brake have developed uh, the braking systems for the Toyota teams in the Dakar rallies over the years. Now, I just wondered what sort of adaptations did they have to bring into their braking systems to sort of survive the rigor of a rally like the Dakar rally, which is the toughest in the world? Mm. Thanks for the question. Yeah, uh, the, our involvement with the event goes back sort of 12 years. We've won it twice on our brake systems, as well as a number of world championships. Mm-hmm. At that level, it's uh, a whole different game. We are using liquid-cooled six-piston race calipers. So they are calipers which, through a temperature sensor, let a computer know when they are running too hot and we then run liquid cooling to them to cool them down. Uh, the discs as well are extremely high-tech. They can float, they can expand and contract, separate of their mounting systems, and they feature extremely advanced 68-vane uh, race cooling systems. So yeah, it's, a, it's a brutal event. I don't think too many people who watch it on TV really understand what those drivers and vehicles go through. Um, it's, it's been great to be involved with it. Just in terms of, you know, uh, when you take your car in to get repaired or, f- or serviced and they tell you your brake pads need to be replaced, 
or anything else regarding the braking system. Why is it so pricey? Yeah, well, there's a lot of technology that goes into brake pad compounding. So to keep it really at a superficial level, there's usually over 25 different materials in a brake pad friction material. So that's friction modifiers and friction materials and so on and so forth. Um, it's expensive, raw materials, and the production process is quite complex. So there's a lot that goes into making a quality brake pad as well as a quality brake bit. There's a lot of technology in the alloys that they are made from, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it is not simple science, and quality breaks do unfortunately cost. Mm, this, okay, this might be a difficult one for you to answer, but I think considering you are in the industry, you may be familiar. Are there any um, car brands or vehicles that you think, you know, have the best braking systems that have the fewest challenges and problems? And then the car brands that you think, you know, could have done a significantly better job when it comes to their brakes and braking systems? I think if, if the vehicles are used within the manufacturer's intended use of a vehicle, generally the standard brake systems are, are capable and they are good. So you will find, for example, a lot more money being spent by a manufacturer on an, an upper-level supercar or a performance vehicle because they're designing for purpose and intended use. If, when things start to, to fall outside of the intended use, uh, in other words, people are taking a standard vehicle and going and using it on a track, or it's being used as a police pursuit vehicle, or a cash and transit vehicle, or in the 4 by 4 industry, where people are actually going outside of the intended usage with the amount of weight they're putting on, et cetera, et cetera. That is where things need to be improved. But as a norm, if used for the intended purpose, you must remember there's a lot of law about homologating a vehicle for sale in South Africa. Mm. So if you're using your vehicle for what it was intended to be used for, your brakes will be safe. On that, I would like to mention, you need to maintain the components on your car. For example, if your tires are worn, it doesn't matter how good the quality of your brakes are, the tire grip with the road will ultimately limit your stopping distance mm. and you'll have poor brake performance. So make sure your tires are within spec and that you buy the best tires that you can afford to do. The shock absorbers are part of the team that influence brake distance as well. So once again, maintain those components. And, and if you do that, you will find that um, the vehicle can deliver good stopping distances. Obviously, driver reaction time is important and, and really on this, a good point to make. There are so many distractions in vehicles today, cell phones, etc., etc. And you're moving at a speed that's covering distance very quickly. Clive, I'm going to have to leave it there. Unfortunately, we have run so much out of time, much out of, as I would have loved to hear the rest of what you needed to say. The MD of Power Break, Clive Murphy, on our car feature.